Welcome everyone to the SC Mafia Strength and Conditioning Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Ryder. Together we'll speak with Springfield College's many strength and conditioning alumni and hear about their experiences firsthand. The goal is to bring together the great strength coaches Springfield College has produced into one open forum. That being said, hope you enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the SC Mafia Strength and Conditioning Coaches Podcast. We have a very special guest today, starting off the year very strong with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, one of the people directly responsible for the mecca of strength and conditioning at Springfield College now is. Uh, our guest today is the fieldwork coordinator and director of sports performance at Springfield College, Dr. Brian Thompson. Dr. Thompson, tell the listeners about yourself and your path into coaching. Well, thanks for having me on, Connor. I appreciate the, uh, the the kind words. I don't know about man, myth, legend, or any, but or not, but uh, I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, I'm in my 26th year at Springfield College. Um, my roles have changed a little bit back and forth, but I'm currently my title is director of sports performance, and I am the you know fieldwork coordinator for our graduate program. I spent many many years as the director of the graduate program. And fortunately, we have uh, Dr. Mary Kate Fight, who has come on board at Springfield and has taken over that role and just done an amazing job with it. I started my, my path really in strength and conditioning started before I really know what knew what strength and conditioning was. Um, I was always into athletics and powerlifting and just lifting in general, and I loved coaching and helping others. Um, I guess my first job would be at what used to call gyms, <laughs> powerlifting gym back in 1986. So I, I've kind of worked in that. I guess I've been called private sector now. And uh, I've been in, in the college you know, sector uh, now for the last 30 plus years. Um, I've worked with a lot of different athletes from youth athletes to uh, Olympic athletes. I worked a lot with Paralympic athletes when I was at the University of Illinois. So um, anybody that knows me will know that I will take risk and chances and try new things. And uh, uh, you know, I had the fortunate um, time to work with some really high-level Paralympic athletes, travel around Australia with them, Mexico, the all just uh, – working as a strength and conditioning coach and an athletic trainer at the time. Um, so it's 19, like I said, 1998, I got hired at Springfield College, and I've just been here ever since. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And right off the bat, I mean, just getting into it, we know in, in this field that there are very few opportunities to be at one place and develop a program and really allow it to take off. And we know that Springfield has done that and you've seen it. Uh, and we've produced so many coaches over the years. So I know the people out there want to know when building that kind of program, what are some of the biggest challenges you Based maybe right off the bat, early on, maybe problems you faced yesterday uh, <laughs> that 
that kind of consistently pop up and can be a hurdle for an SNC program mm-hmm. and kind of touch on how, how you overcame those obstacles. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for the longevity is, and I'll be honest with you, I came here from the Big Ten, and the reason I came to Springfield College in the first place, my girlfriend at the time uh, um, got a job at Springfield College, so I moved out here, followed her out here. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary and uh, wedding anniversary in, in December. So at the time, I didn't know really that much about Springfield College, and I thought it would be a stepping stone to get back into to, uh, a bigger college, bigger university, and I've had several opportunities but could never find a place I like as well as Springfield College. So I think being, I would be very fortunate to just be in such a supportive atmosphere is the big thing to start to uh, developing any type of program, whether it be a graduate program or a, you know, a strength and conditioning program on the athletic side. I didn't start the program here, the grab program or the athletic um, strength conditioning program. Dr. Margaret Jones did. And I give her credit for um, getting everything going. And, you know, a few years after I got here, I took everything over from her uh, when she left for another uh, university. And she really helped me develop um, as a leader to keep the program going and really continue to develop it and grow in both our grad program and our, our athletic side. So I'll just kind of address address both. Um, you know, we've managed to now have over uh, 700 athletes trained in our facilities with our uh, both our undergrad um, varsity teams and then our um, club sports. Um, in the grab program, we've gone from three or four students a year to uh, we, we're capping it at 20. Um, and I, I think some of the biggest challenges are always funding on both sides, especially being a, a division three school. Um, but we have such a, I guess, intricate, intricate web between athletics and academics where you cannot separate what I do as the director of sports performance and what I do as a professor, um, you know, in, in, in everything I do in the classroom, we then continue on in the weight room. So finding a way to kind of pull from both pots, I guess, the ath- athletic and the academic side um, for that funding to, to keep us uh, with enough money for, for supplies and for, uh, you know, uh, you know, graduate fellowships and that type of thing. Um, and that, that's always a... Um, I guess a challenge for, for any type of program. Um, very fortunate to be supportive here by the by the administration, um, both our athletic director and our dean, and even the president of the the college loves the strength and conditioning program. She's uh, trained down in our weight room, um, so just getting that support is the biggest thing. Um, so it is, you know, the, the, the challenge is just to keep keep that up, keep everything growing, keep everything moving forward. Try not to kind of rest on tradition. This is what we've always done, but keep moving forward, keep keep up with the times and just keep continuing to develop. Yeah, so it's almost like a balancing of scales between uh, the strength and conditioning department and then the, the academia. You can kind of leverage the strength and conditioning department to grow the 
educational component of the programs. And then on the flip side, you use the educational component of the programs to then grow the SNC department and gain more funding for things that we would actually use practically in the way room. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and neither program would be as great without the other. You know, if we didn't have the support of, of, of athletics for the grab program to get that experience that, you know, basically day one, when graduate students get here, they are working with athletes. You don't see that, you know, that type of support at a lot of places. Uh, and, and on the other side of it, we are able to provide such wonderful services to our athletes because of the graduate program. Uh, we probably have one of the biggest staffs in the country because all the first-year grads intern, many of the second-year grads and become uh, graduate fellows. So um, we have a, a very low uh, athlete-to-coach ratio. Yeah, so that kind of touches on the next question then. Bringing in new first-year grad students and second-year graduate assistants or volunteer assistant coaches, what are some of the things that Springfield College Strength and Conditioning is doing right that allows all that staff turnover pretty consistently with such great success? And for the for the listeners that might not know or don't know yet, uh, the two-year graduate program has you start as an intern in year one and then in year two, uh, there's a graduate assistant position available, but you have to uh, excel in the internship aspect of the graduate program in the first year to be able to earn that opportunity as a graduate assistant in the second year. Just want to touch on that first. Well, I, I think just the structure. You have to have a system in place. And I feel like the system with the internship the first year and most students by their second year will intern not only on campus with myself and my staff, but also um, at, at external sites and off, off campus. Um, so they get quite a bit of experience. And I, I, I hate to use the word our training system. We, we don't necessarily, we have, we have certain, I, I allow, as, as you know, a lot of uh, autonomy in programming. Um, but understanding really how things flow, how to develop the relationship with our sport coaches. Um, I think that takes time to develop and that first having that year to do that, um, really allows the, then the GAs their second year to hit, hit the ground running as assistant coaches. And, you know, out in the field, we're known that our, our grad assistants are assistant coaches. They, they are writing programs. They are uh, they're running they're running that team. They're the head strength coach for their their specific team. Um, so I think just the, the what we've developed, just you know the kind of I guess a systematic approach. I've done some presentations on this at NSCA, but kind of a systematic approach to developing uh, interns and developing coaches. Um, the the other thing that, that's incredible is just the, the, the critical is the buy in from the sport coaches. Um, I. I am a face-to-face kind of communicator. I head over to the coach's office at least two, three times a week, just walk around, stay in good communication with the coaches, sit down and ask them, how are we doing? What can we do better um, to, to, to help your teams? And just because developing those, 
developing those relationships, because I've been able to develop those relationships, um, that I get uh, the full trust of our coaching staff. They know that each year they may get a, a diff, different coach unless I have their team in, every year. But those that they do get new coaches every year know that they're going to be they're going to be great. Um, I was just talking to uh, our, our lacrosse coach, Coach Bugby. He's like, every year you give us an amazing coach because I don't know how you do that. And but we we know every year we're going to get, get an awesome strength and conditioning coach. Um, so just having a system in place that allows for the development of those uh, of those younger coaches. And how about the the relationship between the the graduate assistants who have obviously done an internship under previous grad assistants, and then the new first year grad students that come in, or even the undergrad uh, interns that come in? How how does that relationship kind of coexist and contribute to to the success of the program in the next year? two years, three years down the line? Well, it, it, it's almost built into the selection process. I will only uh, hire grad assistants that I know are going to be good mentors to to our interns. Um, a lot of work goes into looking at applications from, from the day someone applies to our program. I A lot of work goes into getting to know their personality, um, what kind of individual they are, uh, do they have that growth mindset? Are they open to helping others and just love the field? So I feel like those individuals come into our program and we just help them help them thrive. Um, so when we're looking at hiring our graduate associates, I want to make sure that they want to help younger coaches. Uh, it's and I tell people from day one, when they come to the program, you're going to learn more from each other than you do from me. Um, and just creating that atmosphere where they're, they're constantly talking and, and developing. And um, the actually, my grad assistants are called strength and conditioning clinical educators because I see our strength and conditioning facility as, as a clinical site to develop coaches. Um, so part of that development as a second year or grad assistant is that you're 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 learning how to develop, even though you're developing yourself, you're learning how to help develop young coaches too. Awesome. So, pivoting a little bit, uh, some of our listeners, most of them are are young coaches. Some of them might be approaching that that leadership position or just trying to learn uh, good skills or aspects or behaviors of being a leader and trying to grow an SNC department. What are some strategies that you've found or have used and would suggest to others that are trying to go grow their own SNC department, whether it's at the collegiate level or creating a new program, uh, maybe at the high school level or really anything of the sort? Well, the, the biggest thing is a positive environment. And I think I got this out of a book by, by, by John Gordon um, talking about, um, you know, developing a kind of a, a motto or a mission. And that a mission is 
a mission is worthless unless everyone's on that mission together. So one thing I do when people come in, I, I can't see it on <laughs> audio, but I have these, these cards. And uh, on one side, we have Springfield College Strength and Conditioning, create an environment to improve all athletes. So that's our mission. So by getting everyone to sign on and buy into that mission, um, that helps us develop the proper environment. Then on the back, I have five bullet points. Base all training in science, show strong character, be humble, learn every day, and have fun. Um, and I think that is the, the key to developing a, a, a program. If people are enjoying themselves, I uh, encourage and require my coaches to smile. You know, and a lot, a lot of strength coaches, you go look, go, go, uh, browse websites of strength and conditioning coaches. It seems like most male strength and conditioning coaches like to scowl at their picture, but, uh, you, you should be having fun. You love what you're doing. I mean, I can't believe I've been doing this for so long. Um, I try to model that. I mean, I'm, I, I, everybody knows I'm happy when I'm in the weight room. It's just, I, I, I leave every day from the weight room. So I, I go home happy. My wife loves it. I'm always in a good mood when I get home. Because I've been in the weight room, so I think just developing that 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 positive environment, um, not allowing we don't allow our, our our coaches to swear at our athletes. We don't allow the athletes to swear at anyone. Um, I know you will never have every single athlete love to train. Some just don't enjoy lifting, um, but I want to develop an atmosphere where every single athlete in, looks forward to and enjoys being in the. Well, the, because of the way they're treated, uh, because of what we do. Um, uh, there's a the famous quote, I think it's by Maya Angelou, who talks about, um, no one will remember what you had to do, but they will remember how you made them feel. So just creating an environment that's going to thrive just by having a positive environment. I try to give the athletes some autonomy when we can. They feel like they're part of a community and really part of something that, that, that that's really good. Hey guys, just going to take a quick break from the podcast to send you a quick message from the guys over at Endorphin. want to thank them real quick for continuing to support the podcast. What's up, Springfield Mafia? You and your athletes are going to be stepping up your game, and we've got just a thing for you. Endorphin, powerhouse fuel behind Springfield football and more than 60 Division I programs. These guys are no joke. Picture, Endorphin's athletic fuel powder. We're talking 45 grams of organic carbs, 20 grams of whey protein, and 270 calories with water. And get this, their bottles, they're a no-brainer. Just add liquid, shake it, and you're good to go. Keep it simple and stay ready. Throw in some water and you're in business. Don't sleep on a Springfield Mafia. Head over to the Endurfin and let the gains begin. Yeah, and then on the actual coaching side, in the aspects of educating new coaches and educating yourself as a coach, you're still growing. I would, I would, I would at least hope. Oh yeah, in your in your 26th year, you're still growing as a coach. What do you think are the biggest uh, categories or buckets strength and conditioning coaches need to be educated on before hitting the floor in coaching? And what are some of the things that they should or they need to learn how to do along the way? Um, I mean, 
obviously the science. And I think getting the, the like the CSCS certification gives you that that base level, shows you have a base level of knowledge, but then really developing as a coach beyond that. Um, I talk a lot, you know, in classes about the kind of evidence-based approach. Um, when you look at what, what you're going to do as far as programming or things like that, um, you know, look for the peer-reviewed research. And if it's out there, you know, use that um, to help formulate. In this field, I feel like the application is so far ahead of the research. Anybody's tried to publish, it's very difficult to publish. There are a lot of parameters, a lot of controlling factors there. Um, so uh, the research that's out there um, may not be completely in line what coaches are doing. But then what you're doing, look at it, is it does it make sense scientifically? Physiologically, does it make sense what you're doing? If you're trying to get a certain adaptation, do you understand the science behind that? Even though there may have not been research, it may not caught up, caught up yet, but understand it is the science. And then I feel like the other two parts of that are athlete experience, what your athletes enjoy. I try to find out what my athletes like doing in the weight room, what they don't like doing. Um, and kind of, kind of, you know, meeting them in the middle and trying to uh, develop programs they're going to enjoy doing. And then also coaching experience, what, what you've learned that works for you. I often have uh, every semester I get new interns and they're like, wow, your programs are a lot more, uh, are a lot less complex than your graduate assistants. And, you know, if I look back early in my career when I was deep into Bompa and everything, my programs were really complex. Uh, and I, I just realized at least what what works well for me um, with the teams I have in the situation I am in, um, but also continuing to always be open to develop. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you remember from class, but we would always, I try to start every class if I can, what did you learn since the last class? And I give everybody a mirror in the class that I tell them, I want you to look at that mirror every night before you go to bed um, and say, I, I'm a better strength conditioning coach than I was in the morning. So continuing to develop, continuing to learn. But uh, I think I'm going a little more in depth, but you know, somebody I think understand the science is the big part and then be able to take that science to create uh, what works. Like I, I always go back to best for you, your situation and your team you have. Um, if I were a power five football strength conditioning coach, I may train a little different than I, than I do here because of, you know, the type of athletes, the number of athletes, the, the, the facilities I have, some of the constraints that I may have. So I think always looking at what's going to uh, work best for your situation. And I love to the, uh, touching on that, that self-reflection aspect. I, I remember doing that, exercise in class a lot and it can be really really difficult to do at times like if you have four teams and you're on your own it can be really really busy so you don't always lay your head on your pillow at night and think about what did I learn today but even when you're a second year grad student and you're the the graduate assistant and you're on your own, you're the head strength coach of your teams, essentially, you're still supposed to be in a position to learn yeah. and develop yourself as a coach because 
you're you're not you're not where you want to be yet so just being able to do that self-reflection all the time it's probably not possible but as much as possible is is i think always going to help you grow yeah and i mean one of the things i do just quickly is uh, all at the end of every class or every lift i don't know why i started doing this but i use like a baseball pitching analogy I'm like all right how did all right, I, I threw seven solid innings kind of thing. I had a good, but what could I do a little bit better? You're not going to throw that shutout very often or a perfect game, you know, whether you're teaching a class or, or, or in a left. And it's just going to be, okay, maybe maybe you said things were off, things weren't flowing, you, 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 you know, all right, I got shelled and knock out the second inning or whatever. Like, and just briefly reflect, like, what went wrong? How can I do better next time? So, you know, I, I think most of my reflection is that just maybe five minutes or three to five minutes of, uh, uh, quickly before I move on to, to the to the next thing or the next next program, but yeah. that's a great point. It is tough when you've got boom 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 team after team after team to sit down and, and do that deep reflection. So try to develop something that's just a quick thing. And I learn every day from my my GAs. Um, they are my they are my continuing education. <laughs> so I will l- learn what and at all the students. So uh, you know what are you, you you using? What are you doing? I'll, See an exercise I hadn't used before. I like that. Explain it to me. I'm going to put that into my program. Uh, so I was I was talking to our our two undergraduate interns we have today, or not today, uh, the other day. But uh, shout out Liam and Gianna uh, from from the Red Sox. But we were trying to think of professional development topics that we could go through on days that we didn't have. Uh, as much activity and the first thing that we decided to go over was what exactly is strength and conditioning uh what what is strength and conditioning as as a practice but also as a profession what is it like uh as a lifestyle what is it like in the job market things of things of that nature just generally speaking how does strength and conditioning fit into a human person's life <laughs> um and I, I had never sat in a class and been taught here are the avenues that you can go down in strength and conditioning but utilizing that that self-reflection practice i recalled how many times i had learned about a new job opportunity or even uh, sector of strength and conditioning that I had never even thought of before on my own. And that really helped me to communicate that to our undergraduate interns. So I want to ask you as well, uh, if you if you have any insight, if you're a potential strength and conditioning coach looking to get into the field, whether you're a high school student or an undergraduate doing an internship or a grad student or even a full-time coach who's just looking for a change of pace, what are what are your potential career paths and how can you kind of develop your career in strength and conditioning? That's, that's a great question. And right now I feel like we're at such an exciting time in the field. It used to be everybody that came in wanted to be a college strength and conditioning coach. 
And then probably the second was professional level, baseball or football or something like that. And now you're seeing a lot of avenues open up in the private sector, a lot more people going into the private sector. The tactical, I was just talking to, uh, <laughs> before Lyft, uh, with one of our wrestlers that, that wants to wants to go into the tactical setting as a strength and conditioning coach, and there's so many uh, great opportunities there. And then the high school setting has really, um, you know, really come out lately. Uh, I'll use example, but my daughter, who's grown up as a strength coach, she's followed me around for for her whole 22 years, going to internships, site visits, and been at all these colleges. She thought she wanted to be a college strength coach. Then she did an internship in uh, the private sector, fell in love with that, wanted to be a private sector strength and conditioning coach. And then really did another internship at the high school. I encouraged kind of get all the experiences. And that's when it, it all clicked, even though she loved the other areas, just that high school, she just knew. And I feel like by getting as many experiences as you can in different sectors, um, you're, you're going to know what feels the best for you. So I would encourage any young coach, you know, don't get uh, just so focused on, um, I want to just be a, a, a college strength conditioning coach. Be willing to, you know, be within that. You, you want to be a strength conditioning coach, but look and try out those other avenues. See what else you want to do. Um, you know, my career, I'd never, if you'd asked me when I, I graduated undergrad, what I'd be doing now, I'd that'd be a high school math teacher, football coach, and, and uh, wrestling coach. Um, I didn't really even know that this existed. Um, so, but by going along and just following all the different, um, different paths up that out there, um, I, I realized I kind of just fell into what I wanted to do, um, and just knew when it felt right. Uh, there, the book range by David Epstein goes into a lot of this, how, you know, I, from that, I'm like a, I'm a generalized specialist. <laughs> I, I specialize in strength conditioning, but I'm very general in what I throw into that strength and, strength and conditioning bucket. And it's all different types from leadership to coaching to all different sectors and just trying to lead, learn as much as possible. Uh, I definitely recommend every person that goes in the field. I've got a copy of it here, which you can't see the video, but Connor can. Um, the, the Golden Age of Strength and Conditioning. Uh, which is a book written by, it's got by 32 different coaches, uh, strength conditioning coaches that were coaches in like the 70s and 80s. So before I got into it in the late 80s, early 90s, um, to understand the history and how far the, the profession has come. I just thought it was amazing. And I knew a lot of these coaches in the book already, but I didn't know their stories. So I, I recommend that book. So Golden Age of Strength and Conditioning. Uh, to, to everyone. And that'll help understand what the field is. It, actually, basically the way the field has developed, because I think that's important when you get into any profession. Yeah. So two amazing points. Number one, uh, that most recent understanding the history of the field and also understanding that this field is still relatively new. So it's developing and growing every single day. Uh, and then Number one, the f the first point you made was uh, understanding that you need a variety of experiences to know exactly where you want to take this field. And I saw a lot with 
students at Springfield College that were doing the undergrad program, they love the strength and conditioning facilities and weight room and the people that are there. And that, that's understandable. We all love it. Uh, but what I always tell aspiring coaches as I meet them is your first internship is always so fun that you believe that that's the only thing out there for you. And that can be, I don't want to say a, a dangerous uh, idea, but if you don't get other experiences and you just saddle yourself into one aspect of a field that is growing every single day, then at least I believe, number one, you're going to get left behind at some point or another. Uh, the jobs will dry up or you just won't be the the number one in your field anymore. And, and number two, you're, you might be missing out something on something that you really enjoy doing. Uh, like you said, you, you've had experiences with Paralympic athletes. I mean, how many strength coaches are even out there who have considered that a possibility to work with Paralympic athletes? I mean, it's it's such a unique opportunity, but you won't know that you really enjoy doing that unless you give it a shot. So especially when you're an intern or an aspiring coach, getting a variety of opportunities, I think is the one of the best things that you can do for your career. Well said. I, I completely agree with that. And, uh, you know, I just, just see, experience everything out there and you'll, It'll just kind of click. I feel like you'll know. And I don't know how many times I've said across from students, I want to, I know this is what I want to do. Then two years later, they're in a completely different sector and, and they just love what they do. So maybe more generally, any advice for young people trying to get into the field or any advice for people that are in the field looking to grow their position, grow their responsibilities, grow their department, uh, maybe touch on lifestyle, travel, uh, work-life balance, things like that. Yeah, and it's, it's the, the work-life balance is an interesting one because I know I used to I used to be here from 6 a.m. when we started lifts till, till, till we shut down. And uh, it took me a while to realize that that, that wasn't a, a good work-life balance. And I was probably taking myself a little too seriously thinking I needed to be here. So I think it was a bit of an ego thing that realized I can delegate and, and, and try to uh, have, have a better balanced life for myself and my staff um, by, uh, you know, developing schedules that, are the, that don't waste people's time, I think. Uh, oftentimes, I feel like we have that mindset and strength and conditioning. We have to be there two hours early to set up and everything. And, you know, we spend a lot of, spend a lot of time when we don't need to be there. So realizing... Um, what works for you, find a situation that works best for you. Advocating for yourself, I think it, it is a big one. Um, that you can do your job and still have have a that work life. I don't know if balance is a I don't know if it's possible to balance, but integrate them properly. Um, so you still are able to do things outside and enjoy yourself and have a family and spend time with your family and that that kind of thing. Um I think it's important to just grow your network as you're growing your um, in the field. 
uh, talk to as many people as possible. Uh, reach out to anyone. Um, anyone wants to reach out to me, my email is B-A-T-H-O-M-P-S at springfieldcollege.edu. Um, I've never turned down a request to talk to anyone. And I think, it, you know, there are so many amazing coaches out there. If you do encounter someone that doesn't think it's worth their time to talk to you or develop, help, help you develop or whatever, then just move on to the next one. Um, so I think growing that network and just impressing everyone you meet um, is something that's going to help you continue to to grow as a coach and grow in your field. And just keeping that that open mindset to try new things, look at different places. You mean, you know, like travel. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, to visit a lot of different facilities, a lot of weight rooms, a lot, and meet a lot of coaches and, uh, you know, see what they're doing. Um, but also, uh, you know, take time just to experience travel, get away from your job from time to time. And that's something that took me a, a while to, to get uh, there. Um, but just go out and, you know, and, and try to always have fun. If, if for some reason you find yourself not enjoying your job, try to find a way that you you can identify what you're not enjoying and try to find a, you know, be proactive for yourself and try to uh, figure out how you can change that. Love it. All right, All right, so just some maybe quick hitters to finish us off here. How about the fondest memory you have of your time as a strength and conditioning coach uh, at Springfield College or or both? You know, I, 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 feel, I, I thought about this one because you sent me this question, and uh, it, it's tough. I, I will have to say that years ago I was working with a wrestler that uh, – Came as a, a first year, hadn't trained much, not your typical wrestler, very lanky, tall, not a lot of coordination. I remember trying to teach him a Turkish get-up, and I feel like I'm pretty good at teaching Turkish get-ups. I've been doing it for a while. It's one of my core exercises, and there were so many, there were so many things I needed to correct. It was just arms and legs flailing everywhere, um, you know, and it was like, wow, this is this is going to be tough, and then. That same wrestler's senior year, I named him our wrestling team strength and conditioning athlete of the year. Just seeing how he developed over that those four years, taking someone that um, that didn't have didn't seem to have a lot of athletic ability, and seeing how they worked hard, and I felt like I was really a young know, influence for them, and then you know, them telling me and thanking me for helping them. I think that's, and I could probably think of a lot similar to that, you know, that, 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 um, that means something to me. And, you know, and I, I think on the other side, like the, the grad program, I, uh, uh, was one of my GAs the other day said, yeah, I remember when I came to visit thinking about, um, the, uh, coming to the grad program, you, uh, you know, I told you my dad and dog were waiting out in the car and, and you, you said you wanted to meet my dad and dog. And I thought that was that 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 was that was kind of cool that that personal touch and I think those little things you just make you feel like you're, you're you're impacting people in a positive way. That's why I you know I do this and and, and love my job and have been doing it for so long. All right, and how about what or who are your go tos for professional development right now? Well, quite honestly, the students, the grad students, just talking to them. What are they? Uh, 
I, I kind of help them. They, they use them to guide me. You know, what are, what are they looking into now? What are they reading? Um, I love going to conferences and, and just, you know, after conferences over going through all the presentations again, um, just trying to be a wide variety. I don't, I don't have any like specific go-tos. I just kind of, you know, try to talk to a lot of people, find out a lot about what they're doing and then kind of go in, in and look into it more. Uh, one great thing about my job is I have to stay on top of it because all the time someone will ask me, but what do you think about this? I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm going to find out. Um, so, you know, just, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say like my go-to, but yeah, just it would be my students. You know, what are they into? What are they reading? My assistants, what, what are they getting into? And, uh, uh, I'll, you know, I don't know how many times I'll, I'll see them reading a book. I'm like, oh, you like it? Yep. So I'll go read that, read that book, and that's my next thing. Um, but, you know, that, that's the big thing. All right, and then last one. Who are your biggest influences in the field? And there pro there's probably a lot of them, <laughs> but try to try to keep it to a few maybe. Yeah. And uh, what have you taken away from those people? Well, I mean, I worked with uh, actually with wheelchair sports when uh, the Paralympic athletes, Marty Morse, who was the, actually the, coach at the University of Illinois. Um, and actually, I think he was the first individual uh, in a wheelchair uh, with spinal cord injury to get a CSCS. Um, fortunate to meet him. I still stay in contact with him regularly. Um, but understanding, he kind of took me out of that, like thinking about what an athlete was from looking, you know, got me into working with Paralympic athletes, wheelchair athletics, you know, involved in that. And then also, when I was there, Tim Milliken, who was a physical therapist, um, and, and these were guys that if they if they were if they were around if they were, um, I, I guess in the, here in the more in the internet age, you know, this was the '90s, early '90s. We didn't have all this. You, everybody would know who they are because they're just brilliant guys. Um, but some of the stuff that now is considered cutting edge that I learned from them back thirty years, thirty plus years ago, um, and then really now I. I Mike Boyle is someone I've been fortunate enough to get to know as a Springfield guy. and uh, I just really have learned a lot about from him, you know, from him about, you know, he'll find something he likes, he'll try it out. And, but then if something else comes out, he'll, he'll, he'll go, um, you know, he'll, he'll go, go do that as well. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's somebody I, I got to know a little bit about at conferences, talked to several times on the phone. He's been in my class, Dan John, who, uh, one thing I like about uh, Coach John is he will write a program, he'll try it, and then he'll tell you how great it is. I feel like that's that's something I really respect. And also, you know, with those guys, they're very big into to movement, into assessment. And I think that's something that I think that's a way area that the field has advanced so much. Instead of just you know building strength and getting to trying to get people as powerful as possible, making sure they can move properly. And that's a lot what I've learned from, uh, you know, coach Boyle and coach John. And like there, there's so many, there's so many others out there. Like Jerry Palmieri is someone I, I love talking to about, you know, what he's done in, in the field. And then just you, 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 so many incredible young coaches. I love reaching out to our, our younger alums and seeing what they've learned. Um, you know, I just, yeah, I'll, 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 I used to keep it kind of brief, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it to, to those. But I, yeah, I'm always, I'm influenced by pretty much anyone I talk to, uh, you know, because I want to know what they're doing. Well, 
Dr. T, this has been awesome. Uh, I'm super happy that we've been able to connect and get you on the podcast and uh, show people the kind of person that is is leading the Springfield College Strength and Conditioning Department. So uh, I want to thank you for being on. Thank the listeners for being here with us, and uh, we will we'll catch you next time. I appreciate you having me on and thanks for doing this podcast. It was, it's an awesome idea and, uh, you know, I love the way you're doing it and yeah, I, I'm, I'm honored to be part of it. And, uh, you know, like I said, if anybody hears this and wants to shoot me an email and set up a phone call or zoom or, or whatever, I, I'm happy to, you know, help, help people any way I can. All right. You heard him.